Hi, and welcome to There's Always a Lighthouse, a Bioshock podcast I made because I was tired of annoying my roommates by talking about Bioshock. So, real fast, I just want to go over some, like, format things. Basically, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to go through the whole game first and just, like, give the story, all the characters, just all the face value, what you get from the game. And then, at the end of the game, I'm going to go over it and talk about my opinion on it. And like, what I would have done different, what was bad, or what I really liked. Just, you know, all that kind of thing. And I can't remember if I said this in the last episode, but uh, I know that there are some problematic things in, like, honestly, all three of these games. And I'm not necessarily just going to skirt over those, like I kind of am, but like I want to dedicate a whole episode to them and really talk about them. That way they get like the discussion that they require because it's important to think critically about the media we enjoy. So, Neptune's Bounty. Where we left off, Jack had left the medical pavilion for Neptune's Bounty. When he gets there, he's immediately greeted by a big daddy and about five other splicers fighting on the docks. After beating them and saving the little sister, Tenenbaum contacts him over his radio and tells them that they have left a gift by the nearest gatherer's garden, the machine to buy plasmids and other such things at. Jack looks around the docks and finds an audio diary from Sullivan, Ryan's head of security, talking about how they shut down all bathosphere access for everyone except Ryan by use of a genetic key with Ryan's DNA. Jack enters the fisheries under Atlas's direction, and finds his way through the maze-like docks to Peach Wilkins, who has holed himself and his friends up in the freezers. Peach says that Atlas had called ahead, but he didn't trust it. He'd let Jack in, if Jack could get him a research camera with three pictures of spider slicers on it. Unfortunately, this is the only way to the smuggler's hideout that Jack needs to get to in order to reach Atlas's family, so he obliges. He goes to the foreman's office, where the camera is supposed to be, and retrieves it readying himself to find spider splicers and take their pictures. One is in the room next to him, visible through a large window, one down. The next is in the mailroom, ready to ambush him from the ceiling. But Jack gets the picture and kills the splicer. That's two. The third is waiting at a bar and inn called the Fighting McDonough's. Jack gets the picture and kills the final splicer. When looking for supplies, like first aid kits or Eve, which powers the plasmids, Jack comes across room number seven. Inside, he finds a pair of dead bodies wrapped in each other's arms bottle of pills open and scattered next to them. Next to this bottle is an audio diary from Mariska Lutz, one of the bodies. In this diary, she cries that her daughter was one of those little sisters, and that she'd never be returned to them. It's fairly easy to piece together that the grief these two went through upon losing their daughter ate away at them until they couldn't bear it anymore. In the area, Jack has also found a few audio diaries from Bill McDonough, a member of the Rapture Council mostly talking about how things are getting tense and how he respects Mr. Ryan, but he's not sure Ryan's handling things the way they should be handled. Jack works his way to Peach to deliver the pictures. Peach lets him in, but first he must give up all his weapons. Atlas reassures him that Peach may be able to take his weapons, but he won't be able to take his plasmids. So, Jack hands over all his guns, and is left only with his wrench and his plasmids. He enters the freezers, and is immediately fogged out as Peach and his men prepare an ambush, declaring that Jack works for Fontaine and can't be trusted. Jack fights them off, finding various audio diaries and even seeing ghosts all talking about how Fontaine was ruthless and didn't care what had to be done to get his way. Eventually, Jack kills Peach and claims his weapons, finding his way to the smuggler's hideout. Through this tunnel, egged on by Atlas, Jack comes out into a small bathosphere bay, heading up to the control booth where he's able to flip the door switch 
than when Atlas is. As he does this, the lights in the control booth go out, and Ryan comes on over Jack's radio, drowning out Atlas attempting to give Jack instructions. Ryan comments on how dark it is in the room, and that Atlas must not be able to see the danger of the splicers descending down from the ceiling. And before Jack can react, Ryan's splicers blow up the bathroom, holding Atlas's family. Atlas cries out in anguish as he runs away, trying to direct Jack to do the same. Jack makes a break for the bathysphere that Atlas had come in, fighting his way through splicers as he goes, and barely makes it to the submersible, escaping on Atlas's frantic construction to Arcadia. So there's a lot of really good background storytelling about who Fontaine was and why people were so afraid of him. There isn't quite so much story in the section as the first, but to be fair, the last section was the opening of the game and had to give you a lot of information at once to really establish things whereas this part is more of an action-heavy rest to process said information. But there's some good world-building here, like how, of course, they eat predominantly fish. What else do they have? And the fact that religion is something that has to be smuggled in and practiced in private due to rapture-strict-no-gods thing. Uh, so I'm going to go through the characters that are getting built on here. Um, so if I don't mention a character, it's because I didn't feel like they were getting that much development. Um, and then I'll get into the ones that were just introduced. With Atlas, we, we have a little bit of a development about how he's a kind of cold, get-things-done-whatever-it-takes person. You can tell he's been through a lot trying to keep the people of Rapture from starving on the streets, and that it's been incredibly difficult work. And with Jack, the more he does in the game, the more you have to think he's a lot smarter than people are giving him credit for. So we have Bill McDonough. We originally technically met him through Audio Diaries in the last part, but he had a lot more here, uh, so I'm putting him in this part. Bill's a hardworking man who just wants to do right by his family while also making a name for himself. He went from being a plumber on the surface to Ryan's general contractor of action. He helped build the city and owns the bar Fighting McDonald's. Uh, most of his diaries show him either complaining about maintenance that wouldn't have needed done if people had just listened to him, or him being conflicted about his loyalty to Ryan and Ryan's decisions that were ultimately hurting the city rather than helping it, and his loyalty to Rapture, which is the marvel he helped create. So Frank Fontaine once ran the fisheries and was Ryan's biggest rival. He did everything Ryan stood for, but did it in a way that was detrimental to Ryan, so Ryan had him arrested. Uh, Fontaine started the plasmid business. Um, and he died in the ambush to arrest him. Fontaine was a brash, cruel man who ran his business like it was the mob. And Peach Wilkins is someone who used to work in the fisheries under Fontaine before Fontaine died and Ryan took over. Splicing has turned him paranoid that Fontaine never really died and that he's going to come back to punish them all for defecting to Ryan. And spending all this time in the freezer has given him a stutter. Uh, Peach also has access to the smuggler's hideout, and helped Fontaine smuggle things in under Ryan's nose. So this level introduces us to the spider splicers. The splicers are extremely flexible and use hooks to crawl all over the ceilings and walls, and will throw these hooks at you as an attack, cartwheeling at you once you're distracted. If you take enough pictures of them with the research camera, you're able to use their hearts as health packs. Which... is kind of gross. Like, are you just eating them? Blech. So I'm going to do something uh, a little different here, since, honestly, I covered pretty much all my feelings about gameplay in the last episode. Um, so from here on out, I'm just going to go over all the audio diaries in the area that I'm covering, 
I'll do the ones from the Medical Pavilion as well as Neptune's Bounty here, since I didn't do this last episode. So this bit in future episodes won't be nearly as long. Uh, I'll also probably cut out the ones that I didn't feel were super important to anything, or that I had already covered in the story section, just so I'm not dragging this out so long. Diane McClintock. Released today. Dr. Steinman said he'd release me today. Ryan didn't come to see me since the New Year's attack, not once. But Dr. Steinman is very attentive. He told me that once the scar tissue was gone, he was going to fix me right up. Make me prettier than any girl I'd ever seen. He's sweet, all right, and so interested in my case. Andrew Ryan. Parasite Expectations. On the surface, the parasite expects the doctor to heal them for free. The farmer to feed them out of charity. How little they differ from the pervert who prowls the streets looking for a victim he can ravish for his grotesque amusement. Bridget Tenenbaum, Love for Science I was at German prison camp only of 16 years old when I realized I have love for science. German doctor, he make experiment. Sometime, he makes scientific error. I tell him of this error, and this makes him angry. But then he asks, how can a child know such a thing? I tell him, sometimes I just know. He screams at me, then why tell me? Well, I said, if you're going to do such things, at least you should do them properly. Bridget Tenenbaum, Useless Experiments At the German prison camp, they put me to work on genetic experiments on other prisoners. They call me Das Wunderkind, the Wonder Child. Germans, all they can talk about is blue eyes and shape of forehead. All I care about is why is one born strong and that one weak? This one's smart, that one's stupid. All that killing, you think the Germans would have been interested in something useful. Yi Su Chang, Plasmas are the pain. Tenenbaum, sometimes I pity the little freak. Such a tiny imagination. Content to sit there with her tanks of Adam, tweaking and optimizing. I need to create. Adam is a canvas of genetic modification. The plasmas are the paint. Andrew Ryan, Fontaine must go. Something must be done about Fontaine. While I was buying buildings and fish futures, he was cornering the market on genotypes and nucleotide sequences. Rapture is transforming before my eyes. The great chain is pulling away from me. Perhaps it's time to give it a tug. Bridget Denenbaum, Finding the Sea Slug I saw one of the smugglers having a game of catching on the docks today, and this surprised me, because his hands were crippled during the war. He was unloading the barge the other day when he was bitten from this sea slug. He woke up the next morning and found that he could move his fingers for the first time in years. I asked him if he still had that sea slug. As luck would have it, he did. Sullivan, have my badge. Hanging now, is it? That's what we've come to? Now, look, I don't make the laws here, I just enforce them. But I didn't come to Rapture to string men up for running contraband. If Ryan and his crew have their law, then they can have my badge. Bridget Denimbaum, Fontaine Smugglers As the respectable labs have all turned me away, I have turned to Fontaine Smugglers in Port Neptune for supplies. Fontaine's men are pigs. They spit, they stink, but they deliver, and they don't ask questions. They're all terrified of Fontaine. He reminds me a bit of the Germans. So efficient. It wouldn't surprise me if he were soon running things down here. Andrew Ryan, working late again. 
Diane, my dear, I'm sorry, but I'll be late again tonight. Rosenberg is demanding to speak about this Fontaine business. I'm trying to build a proper financial market, and this idiot keeps going on about Adam this and genetic modification that. I'll go spend an hour pretending to pay attention to the poor fellow and be home as soon as I can. Andre. Bill McDonough. Arresting Fontaine. Mr. Ryan, I believe in rapture, but that doesn't mean we always win. Fontaine Futuristics is the biggest thing going in rapture, so let me be plain. When we arrest this towrag, Fontaine, for his thieving and smuggling, we must make it clear that we won't touch his business interests. We sit on the council because these poor sods trust us, not because God gave us a chair. Bill McDonough, meeting Ryan. I met Ryan the day me and the lads were installing the bathroom plumbing in, up in his posh at Park Avenue digs. Oi, says he, what's with all the brass fittings? General Contractor had me down for the tin. Well, I says, I suppose it's the contractor then who will be bailing out your loo once a fortnight, is it? If it's price you're worried about, I'll be picking up the brass, so not to worry, squad. And why would you be doing that, says he. Well, Mr. Ryan, profit or not, no man bails water out of privies built by Bill McDonald. The next day I finds out. I'm Ryan's new general contractor. Peach Wilkins, putting the screws on. Fontaine's putting the screws on us, and double. He's squeezing us out of 80 points of our cup with the threat of turning us into Ryan if we don't play ball. Son of a bitch. Sammy G comes and tells me that he's thinking of going to the constable, and the next day, Sammy G was found in a sack in the salt pond. We got no choice here. We stay on Fontaine's crew, and we're gonna catch the gallows. We take a powder, we end up like Sammy G. There's gotta be another way. Frank Fontaine, Kraut Scientist. Spent the morning jawing with that Kraut Scientist. She's damaged goods, alright. Just like those chumps they scraped out of the prison camps. But she's no crackpot. She's gonna make the kind of scratch that'll have Ryan look like he's running a paper route. She just needs some supplies to get the ball rolling, and a friend to watch her back. Bill McDonough. Rapture changing. Rapture's changing, but Ryan can't see the wolves in the woods. This Fontaine fellow. He's a crook and a proper tea leaf, but he's got the atom, and that makes him the goat. He's sinking the profits into bigger or better plasmids, building them Fontaine poorhouses. We're like Fontaine recruiting centers. Before we know it, Bluck's gonna have an army of splicers. We're gonna have ourselves a whole heap of miseries. Next time, I will be covering Arcadia and the Lazarus Factor. Thanks for listening.